0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Okay, everybody. Sorry for the slight delay on this one. Was hoping to get it going about 20 minutes ago, but it is indeed a national holiday. Happy Veterans Day, or I don't know what the proper nomenclature is for that. Hope you have a good Veterans Day, honoring those who uh, have... Or continue to. I think it's for folks that have served in the military in any capacity. So, thank you for your service. We'll fire up the show with that. I am Dan Bespris. This is Fantasy NBA Today. It's week three in review episode. These have been a big smash old hit so far, so we'll keep them going every Friday. As long as the season persists today, we will be covering all of the ads, the holds, the I'm Scareds, the drops, the watch lists. The injury replacement board, the buy low board, the sell high board, we got a lot of things to go over on today's show and we'll also hit all 30 teams next game over the weekend, basically what we're going to be looking for, although we do that pretty quick because a lot of the players that come up on those teams are ones that we've already talked about during this sort of first portion of the show. For those that are watching with us live on YouTube, the chat room is open. I don't know that there's going to be time to get to questions at the end, but feel free to communicate with one another. For those watching or listening after the fact, uh, I actually forgot what I was about to tell you guys. Oh, find me over on social media, at DanBesbris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. That's on Twitter. I don't actually think I even have accounts on other things. I don't know. Maybe I do. I haven't logged into them in a while. So don't worry about those. Twitter's the one where I'm doing all my work when we put out sort of a short burst version of all of this stuff this morning so you guys would know what we're gonna be talking about on today's podcast. Uh, also, come hang with us in Discord. That was the other one. I'm sorry guys I'm a little I'm a little out of whack. when one kid's off school, the other one's actually in school right now. It's been a weird morning. Uh, anyway, if you're if you're hanging out with us on YouTube, The Discord link is in the chat room right now. For everybody, a live functional one is in the show description. So come play with us over on Discord. There's a free side where everybody can just kind of hang out and talk fantasy basketball. There's also a premium side for folks that upgrade to some kind of fantasy pass at Sports Ethos. Those folks have access to a 24-7 Q&A with our Sports Ethos analysts. You have access to my what's called sort of like a real-time thoughts thread, where I just type things as they hit me. That goes out before podcast social media, so premium subs get that a little bit sooner. Let's get right into it, though. Uh, We got a lot to cover, so I don't want to waste too much time here at the front end. Um, This is, let me get back to the top here, so I do have a visual aid on today's program. There it is. Let's see, which which way should I have this display on YouTube? That way looks fine. Uh, there are more names than what you see on the page. In fact, those watching on YouTube, you can tell it's just just a Microsoft Word document. So you can see that there's, what does that say, six pages? Does that say six down there or eight? It's so little, I can't even tell. Uh, it's eight. It's actually an eight. Um, so there's eight pages here. So don't worry about, like, some lists are going to carry from one page over to the next. I'll do my best to try to remind you guys what we're talking about. And I know that it's sort of a pet peeve of podcast listeners when folks don't repeat the names they say or, or, or are talking about. So I'll do my best to uh, keep that part of the, the fun as well. Let's dive in. We'll start at the top with the ads. That's everybody's favorite thing. Jalen Suggs was on the ads board last week, but I wanted to put him back in there, mostly because I just wanted to talk about him. I'm having fun with this Jalen Suggs thing, and I know that he's not a traditional... Dan Bespris kind of guy. Because he's shooting forty and a half percent from the field. His free throw number has actually come down. He had made something like his first nine or ten free throws in a row. Now he's down at 80%, which I think is probably closer to what we can expect out of him. So the percentages stink. Not usually the guys I'm hunting for. But you may notice a few things about Suggs that do that does draw my attention to him. Most notably. Dude is averaging 2.3 steals per game. You guys want to know who's leading the league in steals right now? It's not Jalen Suggs. He's actually tied for fourth. <laughs> that, Yeah, I, I know. I'd hit you with the okie doke Marcus Smart and Paul George are averaging 2.6 steals per game apiece. But the fun part of this is that the only player averaging two steals or more per game that has played more than one game so far this year and is doing it in under, what's the number, I guess, 32 minutes per game is Suggs, and he's at 26. Not to say that 2.3 is going to stick, but among all of these guys that are averaging two steals or more right now, the one that has the staying power is the guy who might get to play more as the season goes on. I love me some Jalen Suggs. A lot of it is because I've been watching magic games because there's been stuff to try to pick apart with that team. Like why is Markel Fultz off to a a slow start? What's Cole Anthony's role? Who's filling in for Wendell Carter Jr. So I'm watching more magic games this year than I did last season or frankly seasons past in almost any capacity. And because of that, I mean, Suggs just leaps off the screen. If you're watching, he's everywhere on defense right now. An Absolute menace. The deflections, the steals, it's not a coincidence. He's getting his hands on everything. So I think there's actually room for growth, which would be great, because you'll hope the field goal percent gets up into the, I don't know, 42, 43, just like little incremental jumps there. Um more playing time would be more rebounds, more assists, so that's fun. And I just he's number sixty eight in nine cat right now. And I, I I like I think that this is this is something that could stick to because other stuff might come up, even if the steals rate or total number of steals comes down a little bit. Next name on the board is Keontae George, who is a little bit less, I'd say, enthralling than Jalen Suggs, but he's one that I think we want to just kind of, even if barely, just get out in front of a little bit, uh, because he's now the best option, and he probably always was, the best option for point guard in Utah. Uh, they tried Taylor Horton Tucker. It was a bad decision. Jordan Clarkson is not a distributor. For George, twice this season, three times actually, he's played 27 minutes or more. I picked that number because there's sort of a gap for him. His minute total this year for Keontae, 19-12-27, 20-23, 17-27, 21-31. So there's this pretty big gap there where only one time Did he really play kind of a middle number of minutes? That was that 23-minute game. It was a blowout win over Memphis. He got in there for some extra garbage time. The three times he's played 27 minutes or more, which we can kind of round up and just call starters-style minutes. First time, he had 12 points, seven boards, six assists, a steal, and a couple of three balls on four out of 12 shooting. Second time, he went for eight points and four assists uh, with one three-ball. That was in 27 minutes. And then last ball game, which I think was two days ago now, 31 minutes. That was his first, uh, no, I think it was his second start of the year, but the first time where they really were like, look, this is yours now. Seven points, nine assists, one three-pointer. What we don't really know about Keontae George yet is what kind of steals rate we're really looking at here. Because he's only played nine games in his NBA career and he has 3 steals in those 9 games. But does that mean that he's really going to be who gets point a guy who gets point 3 steals per game? That feels unlikely. There are very few players that can play, you know, 20 some odd minutes and only end up with point 0.3 steals. You you sort of just tumble into more than that. But at least to this point, it doesn't look like he's going to be getting a truckload of them. Now, we again, we don't really know where that number ends up. We don't really know where the three balls end up. Somewhere between one and two feels reasonable. It's where he's at right now, but we haven't seen him play all that much. So does that have a chance to go a little higher? Maybe. I think if you're picking up Giante George, you're doing it under the assumption that Utah is going to see how this goes with him as point guard for a little bit because they've noticed now that THT is just not going to be that guy. But there are also going to be days where Horton Tucker plays better off the bench and he sees extra time and they do have Chris Dunn sort of floating deep in the reserves if they ever wanted to to break the the glass in case of emergency there. So I want to temper everybody's expectations on George. I think there's probably about an 80% chance that he's not a top 100 fantasy play, even as a starter. Because again, rookie Point guards tend to struggle a lot. The reason that there's a little room for optimism is that he's not really being asked to run an offense, but more so take care of the basketball, get it to the scoring guys on the team, and then just, you know, try not to make a bunch of mistakes. So he's more of a speculative ad, more of a a luxury stash. I don't think that I would play him in Roto right now against my games cap head to head. You play it and you just sort of see what happens. Um, What did I say? 80% chance he probably ends up back on the wire, but you see how it goes. Nas Reid, I think he might have been on the ads board last week also. I'm not 100% sure on that, but he's been great so far. He's number 69 in 9cat in only 23 minutes of ball game, 15 points, 4.5 boards, an assist, a steal, two threes on 55% shooting from the field. He's shooting an unsustainably high 93% at the free throw line, but he's just a guy that racks up fantasy stats in 20 some odd minutes. If anything ever happens to Rudy Gobert or Karl-Anthony Towns, Nas Reed slides into a whopper of a slot. He's sort of that Anyeka Okongwu situation here, where if anybody goes down, mega upside. As it stands right now, he's been good enough. He belongs on rosters, and he's a start in all formats. Believe it or not, those are the only three ads of the week. We do have a lot of holds, though. So let's start pivoting into those. Your first hold is Bruce Brown, which I think needed more explanation before yesterday, where he went for 11, 9, and 7, two steals, a block, a three-pointer, four out of four free throws. Yeah, only three for nine from the field, but this was the kind of game, I don't know that you can expect nine rebounds most of the time, but the well-roundedness of it, pushing him to 113 in 9-cat. I think there's room for growth beyond that. I think the assists at 2.7, yeah, again, even with him not being the 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 ball mover that he was in Denver, that's a number that could work its way up. Scoring could work its way up. There's just all these things that could settle in for him. So I I, I feel like he's a pretty easy hold at this point. Tyus Jones and Jordan Poole, both members of the uh, flailing Washington Wizards. Poole is ranked 134. Tyus Jones is 129. But the big numbers for those two guys, us twenty six minutes, pool twenty seven. Those numbers are very low because the Wizards have been in a lot of blowouts, and then even in the last ball game where they won it, the bench was the reason they won. These guys, I think I could probably pull up the day by day for either one of them, but I, I feel like we're we're at a point where they played so far. Eight ball games? How many games have the Wizards had so far this year? Only seven. All right, so they've had a pretty light schedule so far. They played 7 games and Tyus Jones has played full starters minutes in I would argue one of those 7. So we really don't know what his fantasy year is going to look like. Maybe it's possible, it's conceivable that he really only gets starters minutes one out of every 7 ball games, but provided the Wizards can slightly and then dog days I think they probably do get a little bit more competitive. Then hopefully you see games more like what he did in Philadelphia. 12 points, six assists, a couple of steals, and a couple of threes. That's what we were gunning for from the outset with the chance to do a little bit more. And then a similar thing for Jordan Poole, although the difference there is that Poole was getting drafted uh, in the early fourth, early to mid-fourth, and uh, Jones was like seventh round. I think Tyus can get back to the seventh round in per-game value. He's not that far away from that it's a lot harder to jump those next three rounds that Poole's going to have to climb. Again, more playing time, more stuff, but he's only taking 15 shots a game right now. Free throw is super low for Jordan. That'll get better. Steals, unfortunately, and blocks probably both come down for him, so a lot of things are going to have to get better to overcome some of the slippage, where, at least with Tyus Jones, right now everything is basically in line with what we expected. Scoring rate, assist rate, steal rate, percentages... They're all pretty reasonable for him. All we need is the extra 20% of playing time. That would take him from 10 points to 12, from 5.5 assists to almost 7. 1.1 steals goes to 1.3, 1.4, 2.5 rebounds goes to 3. That tweak, those little tweaks in every category, move him from 130 to about 80. That's a pretty easy leap. Markel Fultz is a hold, which, you know, the funny thing is that he was probably a tougher hold before he got hurt. Now everybody that held him through his short injury is like, well, I got to see how it goes now that he's back from injury. And so far, he's just not doing all that much. Only 11 shots a ball game, only four assists. Uh, the hope is that those numbers get better. My end point with Fultz this year, folks, picture this nightmare scenario. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. Was always more like top 90. I wasn't super high on him. I thought he was sort of like an easy decision near 100. As it turns out, I guess not that easy near 100. Uh, But I do think he gets back somewhere into that range. So hang on. I put Brandon Miller on this list, I I don't actually know why, he's number 186, you just, you've seen flashes of what he can be, he probably doesn't need to be a hold, he's playing 31 minutes and he's outside the top 180, it's not like he can get more playing time, and it's not like more usage is about to come his way, unless he makes big strides in his game. Uh, And you've got Miles Bridges probably coming back in a week because we haven't heard anything about an extended suspension for him uh, based on the other things that came out, whatever it was, two, three weeks ago, smashing car windows and whatever. So do we really need a whole Braden Miller? Uh, I put him in the holds, and now I'm kind of rethinking it. He probably can go. More holds. YouTubers just watched me turn the page. Kelly Oubre Jr., I don't think you need a whole lot of explanation on that. He's been okay since the new guys arrived from uh, the Clippers. Not as good as he was before, but we do need to see how it plays out. One of the hardest holds right now is DeAnthony Melton, but he's shooting 29.5%. And I did a long segment on him yesterday? Yesterday or two days ago. I can't remember which show it was. Just illustrating how... You know, it reminded me of the Rob Covington drop from five, six years ago. I'm not going to go deep into that story again uh, because you've heard it recently. But guys don't shoot 29% for an entire season. And I know that Melton's not like a field goal helper, but 40, 41, something in that neck of the woods. That's a big difference for him. So make him not basically a punt field goal guy right now. Get him a little more playing time. As the shots fall, his playing time probably goes up. I get it. It's a very hard hold. He's hurting your team more than he's helping. If you're in a roto games cap format, you probably just stuff him on a bench. Uh and don't use it against your games cap head-to-head. You can kind of keep flopping him out there and see what happens. Uh, but it hurts. It hurts. I- I'll say though, if you drop him and he starts to get it going, you'll feel really bad if somebody else scoops him up. Buddy Heald is the next name on the holds board. I don't have super high expectations for Heald. He's number 131. I don't think his playing time is going to get much higher. You're holding him because you, against better judgment, meaning me telling you not to do it, you drafted him. Once it came out that they hadn't reached an extension and he was going on the trade block, he was not a player you should have drafted because you knew that that meant the Pacers were going to be like kind of cool with him, but they weren't going to force feed him. And we even saw that towards the end of last year, he became less of a priority. The reason to hold buddy healed now is that you're hoping he gets traded because wherever he goes, someone's going to give him more than 23 minutes and that would be good. So you can't drop him because you already invested in it. I know sunk cost theory and all that stuff, but lucky for me, I have zero buddy Heals on any of my teams. So this is me putting myself in somebody else's shoes What can I say? I'm a fantasy empath. Let's talk Josh Hart, who got 30-plus minutes for a few games in a row, but not in the last one. And that was reason for concern, but he's shooting 35% on the year. It's another guy who's just off to a really, really bad shooting start, and I have to believe that as that number comes around, like Melton, you'll probably see the playing time get a little bit more locked in. But it's pretty rare to get a shooting guard-eligible player who can get you 6-8 to rebounds a night. And one to one and a half steals per game. And one to two three-pointers a game. He gets you these off-kilter numbers. And that is reason to hang on until we see what his minutes are actually going to look like. I don't know why I put Mike Conley on the holds board. I think it's because somebody was arguing with me about how he if you're punting uh, turnovers, he's not that valuable. Okay, fine. I'm not. Simple as that. He's number 57 because he's getting you four and a half assists a game and never turning the basketball over. There's value in that. Whatever, let's keep going. Christian Wood I put on my holds board, but he's he's iffy. He had a, a, a brutal last game filling in for Anthony Davis. I, just, I like the idea that he has a spot on this team, and so I feel like we kind of need to just see what that means. But... Also, I get it. He's always been a guy dating back to however long you want to go that has needed more minutes to get to fantasy value. Last year, he played 26 minutes in Dallas, and that got him to top 90. But he was also a focal point on offense in those 26 minutes. In Los Angeles, he could play 26 minutes. He's not going to get 11 and a half shots a game, he's not going to score 16, 17 points. He'll have to build up his fantasy value with blocks, and some threes, and some rebounds, and things of that nature, while hopefully not putting a dent into your free throw number, yeah, he probably needs like 28-29 minutes to be a 12-team guy, but I'm going to give him a little bit longer, because we've seen that he and Anthony Davis are coexisting pretty nicely together, and I think that means he'll play a decent amount, but it might not be enough. I just think we need a little more data to get to that point. Max Struess is the next on the list, mostly because people are like, I've dropped Max Struess to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what? Why? He's number eighty right now. Uh, and he's only shooting thirty-eight and a half percent from the field so far. We've seen his minutes are massive. Cleveland's playing Struess thirty-five minutes a damn ball game, which is amazing. I did not see that coming. He wasn't on my draft board, so it's not like I'm trying to protect myself here. Uh, I just think he's a really good fit for what they're doing, and they're Pouring as much opportunity on him as humanly possible. So we got to see how this thing rolls out. There are very few players in the NBA that can hit three three three-pointers a game in 35 minutes and don't make fantasy numbers. So, yeah, why not? Karis LeVert, this is a little bit of a tougher one. He's number 133, despite averaging 18, 4.5, and and 4.5 with two three-pointers and a steal because he's shooting a high volume 41% from the field and a high volume 71% at the free-throw line. The free throw number may or may not move very much. Field goal probably gets a little bit better. And that's always going to be the problem with Karras, is that he's more of a points league friendly player. But if either of those things, even in an anomalous sense, like you could just have a season where those numbers are a tiny bit better than career marks, that would get him inside the top 100. That's all it would take right now. And again, you're looking for these guys that have opportunity. He has opportunity there, even when the team is healthy. So I think you can hold on to Karis LeVert a little bit longer. See how the percentages develop. See how the role develops. Uh, People are saying that the graphic is messed up right now. I don't understand how that's happening, but uh, we're going to look into that um, before we get to the next player. Okay, that's all fixed now. Next name on the board is Grant Williams, who uh, I'm putting in the hold category for now, but I am, I'll admit, concerned. That we saw the beginning of the cooldown. We knew he wasn't gonna shoot 56% all year while hitting three and a half, four three pointers a night. What I don't know is what that number comes down to. And what I also don't know is like his free throw shooting is at 65%. That'll probably go up. And his blocks at 0.6, his steals at 0.3. Maybe those also wiggle the tiniest bit up the board. So I wanna hold because I just, I think we've seen enough to know that he could be useful. But we don't know enough if he will be useful. Derek Lively's on my holds board, but he might not be there for long. Now the, uh, and I think I messed up the screen again. Um, Lively's at 123 in 24 minutes a game. That's his rank in 9-cat right now. But Maxi Kleba's back. I know Lively missed the last one with an illness. I'm talking about when he's actually healthy. When all three centers are healthy in Dallas, I am worried about the safety in minutes for any of those three guys. Lively certainly has the the best path to value of any of those three, and it seems like they like him the most. But again, what we don't know is, will the minutes be secure when when there are two other centers he's competing with? So hold for now, but we'll get some more data on this over the next game or two, I would think, and then maybe we'll be able to make a final call. Uh, Chris Paul is the next name on the holds board. He's been disappointing of late, and he's dropped outside the top 100. And cap. but he's another guy who's shooting 36.5% from the field. So you know that's not going to hold. What we don't know is where the assists, the minutes, the scoring, all that stuff, like how much usage is going to stay with him. That's still a little bit up in the air, but 36.5% is just not going to stick. So yeah, hold. And Clay Thompson, I put on the holds board. I don't think that anybody's dropping him because they likely drafted him in like the 80 90 range. And most of those guys usually get a little more leash. And also, Clay's a guy who has name power. I'm a little worried, though, on Clay. Uh, only 13 and a half shots per game so far for a Warriors team that didn't exactly add a bunch of other guys that can just blast shots off. His percentages, yeah, his free throw percent is lower than usual, but he doesn't take that many. So it's not really a factoring in. This is all about just number of shots per game, and we need him to get back up into that 17, 18 range. But that's a far cry from where he's at right now. He's out there. He's just not shooting as much. But you got to hold, because he's Clay freaking Thompson, and if he starts to shoot a whole bunch, then you end up with a top 60 guy, and you'll feel like a real, you know what, a horse's patou. Yep, I went there. If you dropped him too soon. The I'm scared or nervous here slash drops group is next. But before that, I want to tell you guys about Manscaped.com. Because our promo code there is Ethos20, and you can get 20% off and free shipping on whatever you get at Manscaped.com. And you got the holidays coming up. This is a great time to start thinking about gifts. It's right in that nice price range. You know, they got some like 40, 50, 60 stuff, knock 20% off. 8 bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, whatever it is, you knock that off, you get the free shipping. You get your $50 item for 40. That's a great gift for somebody. 40 bucks, free shipping straight to their door? Do me a favor, check them out, see what they can offer for the dudes in your life if you know somebody who's particularly hairy, maybe they've been complaining about how hard it is to maintain their their gruff facial hair. This is the time this is the way to do it you know this is this is the way to deal with it so use the promo code ethos20 and get 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. take a moment here once again to like rate and subscribe as we move into the I'm scared or drops category Taylor Horton Tucker he's not an I'm scared he's a drop out to pasture with you Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't need to say more. Sadiq Bey is one that maybe I could say a little bit more on. So for a little bit there, we saw Jalen Johnson and Sadiq Bey kind of rotating who was starting and who was coming off the bench. And it looked as though it was based on matchups. Who was Atlanta playing? Was there someone on the other side where they needed a defensive stopper like a Jalen Johnson to go deal with like a Shea Gilgis Alexander or something like that? Uh, But then they played, what was the game yesterday in Mexico City, Orlando, and Jalen Johnson got the start. Was that to deal with Paolo? Maybe. I don't know. Paolo's not like a world beater right now. I guess I'm just struggling to see the games where Bay gets back into the starting five. Why would they not just start Jalen Johnson pretty much every time right now? He's been amazing. They seem markedly better when he's playing big minutes. Hawks are after a pretty good start this year, actually, at 5-3, and three, and he's a decent reason why. So, unfortunately, I think that means that Sadiq Bey may be a little bit cooked. He played 29 minutes yesterday, but he only got four shots. His role is shrinking. He's only taking 8.5 shots a game right now, and his value was kind of floated by a season opener where he got five steals. He has three over his last seven games. I'm just not seeing it right now. I think you can move on. DeAndre Hunter, uh, I don't think I should have to say too much about this one. His very hot start has ended, and now he goes back to being the not-that-interesting fantasy play that you don't need to roll out there when he's not lava hot. Easy peasy. Cole Anthony is a drop for me right now, and, and that one might be a little bit controversial, and I guess in certain builds you could hang on to him, but certainly if you're trying to compete in all nine categories, he's not a guy that gets you there. He's number 177. I would argue he's had a pretty good uh, runway in the early going with Fultz and Gary Harris missing time. I don't know what more you could ask for other than Jalen Suggs going down again, but please don't do that. So Cole's averaging 15 points, and that's fine in all, and four rebounds and three assists, and that's all well and good. But the problem is that you're basically talking about a guy who's slightly sub-average fantasy-wise in all nine categories. He is not better than what you need to be competitive in any of them. 14.8 points is just below average. 1.53s, just below average. Four rebounds for a guard, I guess that's fine, but it's certainly below average. You need about six, six and change if you're looking at Roto. 2.8 assists, slightly below average. 0.8 steals, slightly below. 0.4 blocks for a guard, I mean, fine, but also, again, below average. 45% shooting, below, 77 free throw, below. I get it, like, there's intrigue there, and if he was playing 32 minutes and getting 14 shots a game, I'd say, yeah, go for it, because he's, like, each one of these categories, if you just bump it up a little bit, then great, he jumps from 170 to 70, but I just don't think that's about to happen. So, for 9-cat, if you're trying to compete in all 9 categories, I don't think he needs to be on your team. Jeremy Soha, number 203. I've been fading him since the preseason. I don't care that he got the starting point guard job. I've been fading him because we knew his percentages were bad, and they are bad. And he is definitely not doing enough in the other categories to make up for it. The 4.6 assists is more than expected, but not nearly enough. You don't need it. There are better plays out there. And just so you don't think I'm picking on only guys that I've been fading since the outset, I think Kyle Anderson is a drop. He's number 137. I think he's actually more of a schedule stream level guy. That's seven and a half points, four boards, five assists, one steal, one block. That stuff is all good, but um, sorry. The scoring is not, he doesn't hit three pointers. He doesn't score. I can get over that if everything else was much better, but nothing is really elite for him right now. So he's a guy you fill in, you know, when Minnesota has three games and four nights kind of thing, and you can pile up 12 boards and 15 assists and three steals and three blocks over those four days. That's good, but if you're only getting, say, three games out of him over an entire week, that's not going to be enough, and that's why I think you can probably turn him into a schedule play. More of these names, Gary Trent Jr. is the next one. I know he got a little bit more to do in the last ballgame, but guess what? He's not inside the top 200, and that means I don't think we need to worry about him because much like with Buddy Heald, Toronto has sort of moved on from the Gary Trent Jr. experiment The beauty of Buddy Heald is that we know he can post a ton of fantasy value if his minutes are just a little bit higher. Gary Trent is getting minutes, but he's just not a focal point for them right now. But if you're holding him, you're holding with the hope that he gets moved. So I get it. That's why he's in sort of the I'm scared part. It doesn't have to be a straight drop. Same thing for Andrew Wiggins, who I I know I said on yesterday's show or the day before that I believe he's unhealthy. I don't have any proof of it but he just doesn't look like himself at all. And whether that means unhealthy and like needs to talk to somebody or unhealthy, something hurts, no stigma. Um, just he needs something fixed. Something needs to get remedied. And it's hard to hold on to a guy playing that poorly because he's, he's brutalizing your head-to-head team. Roto, you can keep him on your bench. It's a little bit of an easier call there because you know he can be a top 80 type of guy if he's actually humming but something's wrong and until we find out what that is he's very much an I'm scared nervous dude and if you need that roster space you know what you got to do let's move through some watch list names and we'll go a little bit faster now since we're through kind of the the big decisions Jalen Smith is on my watch list. I know he missed Indy's last ball game, uh, banged up, but he had started to play himself into fantasy value in about 24 minutes a game. I don't think those minutes stick because Indy is, uh, by the way, shout out to Rick Carlisle. You're for playing four guys, actual starters minutes yesterday. Doesn't happen very often. Jalen Smith being gone, probably had something to do with it. Uh, But I don't, and they get really good bench production because they're willing to play all these different guys and hot-handed and all that stuff. But I just don't think that, like, magically Aaron Neesmith or Jalen Smith, put both of them in the same bucket, are going to fall into 28 minutes a night. You just have to guess right with those dudes, and that's why they're on the watch list and not anything higher. Bogdan Bogdanovich is off to a crazy steals start to his year. I don't believe that that can possibly keep up. But also, like, it's happening now, so we might as well capitalize on it. Over his career in starters' minutes, he's been about a 1.1 steals per game guy. He's at 1.8 in 24 and a half minutes per game. He's taking about as many shots in 24 and a half minutes as he did in 28 last year, so he's out there and he's chucking away, which, you know, good. But if his numbers, if his steals number comes down to 0.8 like it was last year, which you presume that's about what it would be in 24 and some odd minutes, then he no longer becomes a fantasy asset. So watch list, sell high, whatever you want to call him there. I'm not a Bogdan believer. Let's move on. Jonathan Isaac has made my watch list for the first time this year. He got 16 minutes yesterday and he looked really good. 12 points, seven boards, two blocks. We know he's a guy that can get fantasy value in 20-0 minutes per ball game. That's all we need. In fact, I would offer that the moment he plays 20 minutes, we pick him up. Not before, because also if he plays 20 minutes, his body might fall apart. I'm also not convinced that his team likes him that much, but yeah, we'll deal, cross that bridge when we get there. Mo Wagner, Goga Batadze, these guys are watch lists to see if either one of them can kind of, you know, the other one on the noggin, knock them out for a minute, and actually get the center minutes with Wendell Carter Jr. down. So far, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, so I don't think you need to pick either of them up immediately. DeLon Wright, who had a few good games to start the year and then completely disappeared before exploding in the Wizards' last ballgame. Thanks to that explosion, his minutes are back up to 18 on the year. 1.7 steals in 18 minutes. I mean, that's the thing that's staring us right in the face, but 18 minutes ain't enough. We need him to be playing 24, 25 a night. If he gets there, he jumps from watch list back up to an ad. Denny Avdia is also on my watch list. Now, maybe that one's being a little bit too cruel because he is actually inside the top 100, barely, right now, but he is inside there, mostly because he's kept his turnovers down. If he can keep that up, and continue to go 13, 5, and 4, basically with a steal and a 3, then I'll get on board. I'm just skeptical that the turnovers stay super low. I'm also skeptical the field goal percent stays at 53, and for that reason, he's more of a watch list guy for me than a straight ad, just because I feel like something unpleasant is about to shake out. Kelly Olenek is someone I added in a couple of spots, but I put him on my watch list here because I don't think you had to. I just happened to have some dead weight that I could cut. He's number 132 this year in 20 minutes. One would have to assume that he sees a little bit of an uptick with Walker Kessler out for at least a couple of weeks. He had a bunch of fouls in their last ball game. still got around 20 minutes. Uh, so my assumption here is that Olynyk sees more like 24 minutes while Kessler's down, which should be about enough to get him near the top 100. And that's probably a streaming board level play, uh, but I don't know that you have to act on it immediately. I put Emmanuel quickly on this list, mostly because I knew if I put him on any other list, I'd get yelled at. So instead, I just called him a watch list guy. He's number 145 in 24 minutes. There's just no room for him to do more in New York. They didn't come to a contract extension, so I guess, like, in the back of my mind, I can pray that They move him somewhere. I don't think that's going to happen, but, you know, we can dream. But right now, uh, you know, 9-cat Roto, that's not good enough. But 15 points, almost 2 threes, good free throw percent. Like, there's some stuff that he's pretty good at, and then there's some stuff that he's really bad at. He gets no defensive stats, and that can kind of weigh things down a little bit. So if you're punting, say, blocks or even steals, honestly, he makes a lot of sense because he's a guard that doesn't steal. If you're trying to compete in some of the stuff where he's not very good, then he doesn't make sense, meaning 9-cat. But there are builds where he makes some sense, and that's why I put him on the watch list, because I knew he was sort of in a little bit of a gray area. Lou Dort has been one of the big surprises in the early going. He's actually ranked number 35 in 9-cat right now, shooting 53% from the field and averaging both 1.1 steals and 1.1 blocks per game. Guys... We've watched Lou Dort for a few years now. We know what his fantasy profile is, which is about one steal and about .3 blocks per game. So the blocks are way the heck out over his skis. He's also a career 40 percenter from the field. He's a career 34 percenter from three. You know what he's shooting in those right now? 53 and 53, respectively. This is a guy who's on a very hot start to the year sort of Dylan Brooks-esque, actually. But we know the bottom is going to fall out. It's just a matter of time. Luke Kennard is on my watch list. He's just been getting a little bit better every game in Memphis. And I just, I feel like at some point they're going to be like, you know what, Luke, go ahead, play a bunch of minutes. But not yet. You don't need to act on that yet. You'd be getting out in front of it. Also in Memphis, Santi Aldama, who's not anywhere near fantasy value at the moment, but I think is a guy we should keep our eye on, certainly while Xavier Tillman's out, because is Bismack Biyombo the answer there? Uh, you guys know I bounce back and forth on whether I actually want to deal with the Bismarck experience. Typically, the answer's no. I, You know, he sort of makes sense as a center fill-in type, but also, meh. Meh. And then Alex Caruso, who, lord, I'd love to be able to just call him a straight ad, and he is a good fantasy play so far. You know, he's inside the top 80, top 90, depending on what websites you're looking at. He's been a startable play, but his minutes are all over the map and he's shooting 59% from the field. As good as Caruso is at shot selection, he's not a 59%er. He's career 43 45. That number is going to come down, which means we're going to need more consistent run to cover up that drop. And maybe that comes. But every time he's ever had to average 25 or more minutes per game, his body falls apart. So what do the Bulls do? I don't know. Do they try to push him a little bit more to see if that can squeeze out some more wins? I mean, he was the guy guarding Kevin Durant in the last damn ballgame, for goodness sake. They need him on the court, but they also need him to stay upright. I don't know how they can make both of those things happen at the same time. So, schedule play, maybe. Maybe. And I just threw him on the watch list because I thought that was easier. Here's some injury replacements as we head into the weekend. Dorian Finney-Smith for Nick Claxton. Royce O'Neal for Ben Simmons. Jordan Hawkins for C.J. McCollum. Marcus Sasser for Alec Burks. Jaden Ivey, Boyan Bogdanovich, blah, blah, blah. Kyle Lowry or Duncan Robinson for Tyler Hero. We're still kind of juries out on that. Biombo, who we just talked about for Tillman, who I'm not all that excited about. Reggie Jackson, who had one bad one, one good one, filling in for Jamal Murray. Skyler Mays filling in for Scoot and Brogdon. Malik Monk filling in for De'Aaron Fox. Those are your injury replacements. And here's a few buy-low suggestions. Brooke Lopez right now, who is sitting near where he was drafted, and he's doing it while shooting, get ready for this, 39%. I know he takes a lot of threes. He's not going to shoot 39% from the field all season long. That number's going to get up to the mid to high 40s. When it does... He moves from top 80 up at least two rounds, maybe more. He's blocking two shots a ballgame just like you wanted. anyway. See if you can get Brooke Lopez for somebody currently ranked near him on the board because he's a guy that's likely to take a step forward. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, James Harden, the trio. It's possible that Paul George, James Harden are not by low enough yet. I think Kawhi you can probably already buy a little bit low on. This may be kind of a preemptive placement in the buy-low board. I just think these guys are going to struggle to play together for the next couple of weeks. And at some point in there, you're going to see a buy-low window. I just want you guys to be ready for it. And then Keegan Murray, who I almost forgot to put on this list, but he's one of the easiest buy-low wrecks I've ever given out. due to shooting 33.5% on 14 shots per game. That number corrects itself into the mid-40s. He launch pads 50 spots up the ranks. Like, it's a huge jump. Scoring goes up. Threes go up. Field goal percent obviously goes up. Huge, huge jump coming for Keegan Murray when the, the field goal percent equilibrates over the next few weeks or months or whatever it is. I don't know what it's going to take to get him, but I think that's a big-time target. I think he's one of the... I think he's the guy. Like, if you're going to go out there and work on trying to do a buy low, Keegan Murray's the guy. Because his role is bigger this year... But folks haven't caught on to that fact because his rank isn't higher. Sell highs are R.J. Barrett, Kyle Kuzma, and Dylan Brooks, and it's the same reason for all three of them. R.J. Barrett is shooting 47.5% from the field and 87% at the free throw line. Guys, he just didn't magically turn himself into an 87% free throw shooter. Do you need to know what R.J. shoots over his career from any place? 42 from the field? 71 at the foul line. He's never been higher than 74 and a half at the free throw line. Both of those percentages are coming down. And when they do, (whistles) fantasy value will also. Kyle Kuzma is an interesting one because I do think he's going to have a decent year, but he's shooting 51% from the field. And what the hell is he at at the free throw line right now? 83% at the foul line. Is there a chance that guys just magically have slightly better seasons than they have before? Yeah, you see that sort of the bouncing around, the anomalous stuff, it happens. But this is a 45% career shooter from the field, 73% at the free throw line. I don't expect both of those numbers to jump 5 and 10% respectively. Is he going to have a truckload of usage? Yes. So he's going to be better in rank than he was last year. But right now he's sitting inside the top 50. In fact, he's actually inside the top 40 I don't know that you can get a top 40 guy back for Kuzma, but if you can get a top 60 guy back, someone that not top 60 right now, but someone that you believe will be in that range the rest of the way, maybe like a DeMar DeRozan, uh, Drew Holiday is at Those guys are at 51, 52. Probably can't get Bam out of bio. He's got a little bit too much name power. Uh, Vooch wouldn't be a terrible target. He's at 59 right now, and he's been trending in a positive direction over the last week, week and a half. Freddie Van Vliet at 63 would be an interesting target. See what you can get for Kuz, because he's running hot right now. And the last name was Dylan Brooks. You're not going to be able to get anything for Dylan Brooks. I don't even know why I put him on this list. He's number 74, but he's shooting 57% from the field and 94% at the free throw line. If you can get anyone inside the top 100, I think, a safe top 100 play for Dylan Brooks, you probably do it. But maybe somebody is upset with someone like a Jalen Williams on the Thunder right now, because he's not getting any steals. I doubt you can get him, but... Your better option is to try to target someone maybe like a Zach Collins, who's at 98, but only because his turnovers are a little bit on the high side, or a John Collins, who's a little low because he's not blocking any shots right now. These guys are like safe top 100s. And for Dylan Brooks, when the percentages drop out and he goes back to scoring you know, 11, 12 points a game or whatever it is, and he's not even taking as many shots as he got last year in Memphis, so the usage is down, it's going to be a precipitous drop. And believe it or not, that is your weekend review, and everybody can watch me close out my Microsoft Word document. I know, classy, very classy YouTube videos we do here on uh, for Fantasy NBA Today and Sports Ethos. Before we get to our week ahead or weekend preview part of the show, this is once again a mid-show reminder. Please, please, please take a moment, to hit that thumbs up button. I think there's been what thirty some odd likes to this point, forty and there's like 120 of you guys watching the show, hit that button, man. It actually means a pretty big deal getting us into that algorithm, getting more people to check it out, more people find Sports Ethos, more people find the shows. Please do it. That's what I... Please do it. And then subscribe if you guys are enjoying what you're hanging out with so far. I am going to send a tweet out right in the middle of a show, and then we're going to dive into the... All 30 teams weekend preview. Yeah, probably not going to get to questions, by the way, just as a warning because we're already at 50 minutes and I was hoping to keep this to about an hour. Uh, But let's take a look at what's coming up tonight, Friday. Charlotte at Washington. Let's go through every team, uh, every game over the weekend. We'll talk about what we're looking for here. Um, Just sort of like a general idea of what's coming up for the Hornets. Nothing really. Um, I don't know that there's going to be anything until Miles Turner comes back unless Rozier returns. For the Wizards, uh, Tyus and Poole, these guys, again, were sort of looking for the, the normalcy of minutes. Avdia, DeLon Wright, we just talked about those guys as well. For the Sixers, uh, any changes for Kelly Oubre? DeAnthony Melton's shot, Nick Batum, he's been doing some stuff. I don't expect it to turn into anything big for Batum because every time he plays larger minutes, his body breaks down. But, hey, you never know. For the Pistons, uh, Marcus Sasser, we already talked about him as a possible stream. Nets, streams, Finney Smith, Royce O'Neal, because Ben Simmons is out for tonight. Celtics, nothing. Timberwolves, uh, can slow mo get himself above that that schedule stream play? That's what we were talking about before. And Nas Reed, who's been very good. Spurs, I think the only real question is, what did Devin Vassell's minutes look like in this second game back? Because he only played a handful in his first game off of the What ended up being a much shorter-term injury than people expected, but maybe he wasn't all the way ready. Pelicans, you're just watching the injury report, man. We did get word right about the time we went on air that Zion is expected to play. Uh, So that's one of the guys back. I don't think we have word on Herb Jones yet. We do know that CJ McCollum is out. So does that mean Jordan Hawkins' time? Does that mean Dyson Daniels' time? I don't know that I know for sure the answer to that. And when I don't know for sure, I tend to play it a little bit safe. Alperin Shangoon is a game-time decision with an ankle sprain. If he sits, we might get a Jock Landale sighting. And then Tari Eason is a fun one. Did I forget to put him on the... Man, I think I forgot to put Tari Eason on my boards. Ooh, big-time oversight. I got to go back and fix that on Twitter, too. Oopsies. Dano, get your head in the game, man. That's a bad oversight. Did I put him on anything? No, I didn't. Oopsies. Man, I feel like a, I feel like a real dummy right now. Uh, anyway, we'll get that fixed on social. But you guys heard it now. Um, Jazz, Keontae George, we're just sort of taking in what's going on for him, and then the whole Kelly Olynyk. Who does he get enough center minutes? Grizzlies, we talked about Canard Aldama. We talked about Biombo already. Clippers, you guys know. Mavs, three headed center monster. How does that work? Grant Williams and Tim Hardaway Jr. How does that work? Um, Tim Hardaway's been crazy hot from three so far this year, which, like, he's hitting what, four? Four a game right now? And he's made every free throw? I I just, I can't imagine that that keeps up for him, but I guess you never know. Uh, Where the heck were we here? Thunder? Yeah, Lou Dort. Can you get anything for him before the inevitable drop-off comes Uh, for the Kings? Malik Monk, he's been rolling here. Keegan Murray, biggest buy low on the market right now. Lakers is all about health, Rui came back, but I think they're hoping to have Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes for this ballgame. Still no Gabe Vincent. Uh, I think, yeah, Torian Prince is good to go now. Starting to get some pieces back, but they're just not good without Anthony Davis, not surprisingly, because no one else can play defense on that damn team. Except for Gabe Vincent, and he's out also. Whoopsies. I guess Torian Prince can play a little D. Anyway, we're going to find out what Christian Wood is going to be able to do with his time for the Lakers. Bradley Beal's second game back for the Suns. What do his minutes look like? Grayson Allen was that last ball game. I'm assuming it's flash in the pan, but it's also possible that he settles into a better role. Still, there's no Devin Booker, so anything that we get out of Phoenix is fleeting until we see what that team looks like when they got all three heads on the monster going at the same time. Turn the page to Saturday. Milwaukee, Nothing really. I, I think Brooke Lopez, your by-low window, whatever that might be. Orlando, we talked about Jalen Suggs, his emergence, who picks up the center minutes. Can Cole Anthony get something going? And then Markel Fultz, who he's like sort of both by-low and also not enough upside for me to get super excited about it in the way that I did about Keegan Murray. Toronto, what, what, what gives, Jakob Hurdle? What gives? What gives? Boston, nothing. Miami, we need to figure out who's filling in for Tyler Hero because it's going to have to be somebody. It can't just be Bam and Jimmy every day. I don't think we're going to be able to rely on Haywood Highsmith to get enough fantasy stuff game in and game out, but I suppose you never know. It just feels like it's going to be Lowry or Duncan Robinson. And uh, I think we need another game to at least have an idea of which one it's going to be. I did pick up Kyle Lowry in one or two spots to squat on, see if it is him, if it's just like, Spo went up to Lowry and was like, dude, I know it hurts to get up in the morning, but we need you to go big for two weeks while Tyler's out. And Lowry's like, okay, bud, I've been working on this big booty for so long. It's ready. And then at the end of these two weeks or three weeks or whatever it is for Hero, then Lowry might have to sit for a month. So maybe, maybe. Atlanta, I'd like some confirmation on my Sadiq Bay drop wreck. We'll see if that happens. Cleveland, not much really. You know, Jared Allen's still kind of getting ramped up to full minutes, but uh, we already talked about Levert. And then Struce. And for the Warriors, the big question is, what is going on with Andrew Wiggins? Sunday. Uh, Charlotte, we talked about already of the Knicks. It's mostly Josh Hartwatch. You can also throw a manual quickly on that board if you like. Wizards, we talked about. Nets can come down to health if Simmons is out versus Simmons is in. Uh, oh, Cam Johnson is back for Brooklyn tonight. I forgot to mention that also. There's so many damn things going on in the NBA. It's easy to forget one or two here and there. Uh, Cam Johnson is back tonight assume his minutes are going to be in the low 20s here as he works his way back up to full tilt. I don't think you play him in a games cap format in 22-ish or whatever minutes we think he's going to get. Head-to-head, yeah, you get him out of your IL slot. Um, But that will be an interesting footnote uh, because Cam Thomas is out for a couple weeks now. So, like, one guy goes down, another guy comes up for Brooklyn. We don't really know how the usage is all going to get split when this team's fully healthy. Um, But Cam Johnson being back means that With Thomas being out, it does feel like if he can get his minutes up, he steps into a pretty darn good spot. Uh, So we'll see what that also means for Royce O'Neal and uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, but it does feel like those guys are mostly filling in for Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton, respectively. Uh, Memphis, I think we already talked about Memphis, right? Clippers, you know, Pacers, you can hold your breath that these bench guys are going to get full minutes all you want suppose we should talk a little bit about Benedict Matherin, who's had two good games in a row. That's gotten him up to 170 in uh, nine category formats. My fear with Matherin, and he's had a couple big rebounding games as well, is that like, we can look at what he did last year and hope that there's some measure of growth beyond that. Last year, Matherin played twenty-eight and a half minutes per ball game. He averaged seventeen points, four rebounds a game, point six steals. He's had uh, twenty rebounds in his last two ball games, and yes, he's played thirty-eight and thirty-six minutes. Those are obscenely high numbers. I don't know that anybody can keep up that type of pace, but it also doesn't even really match with what we saw last year. Like, if he's playing thirty-six minutes a game, you might be able to convince yourself he's going to get about six rebounds a night. That's something I could get behind. Maybe you get him up to about 0.8, 0.9 steals. That's an achievable number. But again, we're going to need like 35 minutes a game, which is asking a lot from a team that rolls hot hand. The reason he got more minutes the last two games was because Matherin was a hot hand these last two games. So if you want to pick him up and get out in front of it and say, well, you know what, maybe he's just a guy who's like getting his confidence going a little bit. But also it's worth mentioning He's shooting the exact same percentage from the field so far this year that he did last season. His free throw number is down, but the percentage is almost exactly the same. His threes are the same. His rebounds are up a little bit. Assists are a little bit higher. I don't know. Maybe that's something that's happening. But there's not a lot to suggest that he's magically changed his stripes. So what we would need is 32 to 36 minutes a game, And then you might be able to get on board with something. So if you think that's going to happen, go for it. I'm skeptical based on the way that rotations tend to go in Indiana. Philly, you know, again, it's all about whether or not DeAnthony Melton can hit a bucket. But whatever. Um, Detroit, who comes back for that Sunday game is something to keep in mind. Chicago, I just want Alex Caruso to play so damn bad. Kobe White's had two or three decent ball games in a row. I don't think that that's something that sticks season long. He's more of a points league play than a nine-cat guy, so that's okay. Dallas, we talked about. Pels, it's all health. Denver, Reggie Jackson is what you're watching. Houston, the only real question, I think, is Tari Eason. And, and then Shangun's ankle. Um, Miami, we talked about. Spurs, there's really nothing to do in San Antonio. There's nothing to do. Thunder, Lou Dort, sell high. Phoenix, maybe you get Booker back for Sunday. I don't know. I haven't heard anything. Minnesota, we've talked about. Warriors, we've talked about. Portland, uh, Skylar Mays, man. Is it Skyler Mays time? The answer is probably yes, unless somebody comes back for that team on Sunday. But if they don't, that's a guy you probably want to get plugged in because Lakers aren't guarding anybody right now. Uh, Skylar Mays, I know he's not a, like a big three-point chucker and he doesn't get a ton of defensive stats, but he's going to be playing point and he's going to be feeding guys. And if you're a point guard, just feeding dudes pretty easy to just sort of blindly fall into six plus assists, and he'll probably get some shots up because everybody's hurt on that damn team. So yeah, I'm into it. Skylar May's time. Some kind of unfortunate news on the injury front this morning as well. Uh, Robert Williams has opted for season-ending surgery. He is hoping to be good to go for the beginning of next year, but he is now likely a safe drop in all formats. There isn't really an obvious pickup there. It's going to be a few more minutes for DeAndre Ayton, and then the Blazers will run small for stretches. They'll kind of piecemeal it together. Um, so that stinks. If you had Robert Williams, who was, I don't want to say trucking along, but he was doing pretty much what you wanted, which was around top 100 value in about 18, 19 minutes of ball game. Uh, he is down and out, and you can go find someone else. Um I don't think that, uh, unfortunately, we're over an hour. I also have two play-by-play games to do later on today. So uh, we will not be doing questions from the chat room. Hopefully you guys had an opportunity to help each other over there. Uh, Apologies for starting late today and some light, apparently technical difficulties in the middle of the show. But it seems like we got through it and everybody had a lovely time. Now we can all cheers to a lovely weekend. I am hoping, by the way, hoping and praying that I can actually do a show tomorrow. I can't promise anything But if all the sort of stars align on the childcare front, maybe I can do a show tomorrow morning. Um, Don't hold your breath. But I do have some really fun ideas for next week. One of them, and this was uh, one of our readers came up with this idea, was to basically have like a deal or no deal kind of show where I come on, talk about one player, a buy or a sell. So take, for example, this week I had Keegan Murray as a buy low. Uh, And I say... Mm. maybe that's the wrong way to do it. What about a sell high? Let's say I have Kyle Kuzma and I'm selling and you guys all in the chat room can throw names at me of guys that you would try to buy Kyle Kuzma with and I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes just telling you why I would or would not make that trade. So basically it's, maybe let's make a deal as a better uh, game show comparison. But you guys will throw names at me and I'll tell you whether or not I'm willing to give up a certain player for that. And we work on player valuation and understanding why things are going the way they are. Uh, I think that could be a lot of fun. We'll also have some just general buys and sells shows. Um, I just, I want to keep adding things where I can. You guys liking and subscribing and all that stuff has given us the ability to add more things to YouTube, to the pod feed. Uh, And so I just kind of want to keep rolling into that. So again, Hit me on Twitter on the way out, at Dan Besperus. Hit that thumbs up on the way out. Those of you that are watching on YouTube, those on uh, any format, please do take a moment to subscribe. And those on traditional pod channels, please do drop a five-star review. If I don't talk to you over the weekend, good luck. Have fun. Finish off game uh, week three, and we'll catch you on Monday, which is already a two-show day. So long for now, everyone.